Are we good guys or bad guys? You know, I mean, uh, are robbing the rich to feed the poor. Hello, and uh, welcome to episode three of the Hyperion Gazette podcast. These numbers, they're racking up. They really are racking up. How is everyone? You good? Yeah? Splendid. Me? Oh, that's very kind of you to ask. I'm suffering from the Disney blues in a very major way. A very major way. I've got to the point where I'm actually uh, making hypothetical bookings on the website and just not actually pressing book. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of us, a lot of us do that. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Although I suspect, um, actually, with the recent arrest at Disneyland Paris, the guy that had the uh, the two handguns, that will probably put some people off doing that. I'm not really sure why, because surely it just means that the security are doing their job. I don't know. People can be a little bit mad, can't they? Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> anyway. Last week, uh, we discussed uh, the story of Thunder Mesa. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think it, uh, from the feedback I've heard, a lot of people didn't know the, uh, did not know the story. Um, but we've actually got uh, some feedback I'd like to read out from uh, DLP Town Square, so that's Jeff. Uh, it says, I think the difficulty in telling the story is how do we tell the story without putting a giant plaque in Frontierland? You have to infer the story. Now, by increasing the identity of Thunder Mesa as a town, I think you begin to do that. I think, however, that fans of the park know the story, and the casual and guests enjoy a nice area of the park. I think it's the same with the majority of the park. I would guess that the only piece of history the average fan gathers from Main Street USA is the fact that it's an American street. And yeah, I actually think you make some very good points there, Jeff. Have, I, I don't want to see a plaque with the story on it. Uh, at uh, Disneyland Paris so yeah maybe you're right maybe they're doing the best they can I don't know um, certainly something to think about though isn't it anyway this week we've got something completely different to that actually uh, so let's get on to that now Robin Hood and little now unless you've been living under a rock uh you you'll remember that since the start of 2016 we've had i think more than our fair share of celebrity deaths i mean right at the start of the year we lost lemmy from meatloaf and not long after that we lost the legend that is david bowie and then really before we could even sort of begin to get on with our lives after that uh we lost alan rickman too and um yeah, all, all very sad, all very sad and all big losses when it comes uh, to the world of show business. But one that sort of snuck under the radar, which is particularly uh, important from a Disney point of view, is that a man named Brian Bedford died. Uh, now some of you may know that Brian Bedford uh, was the man that did the voice for Robin Hood in the film Robin Hood. Now, I don't know about you, I often forget about Robin Hood when it comes to Disney films. Um, I don't know why. Um, something always felt a little bit off about it to me. And I've never been able to put my finger on it. Um, but I've heard from a lot of podcasts uh, that uh, Robin Hood had a lot of stuff, for want of a better, better word, borrowed from other films. But I've never been exactly sure what this actually meant. So I thought, you know what? 
let's look this up and record a podcast on it and I'll share it with you guys. So, to start with, Robin Hood was effectively the first Disney film produced entirely without Walt Disney. So if you imagine uh, an Apple product comes out, any new Apple product, like the Apple Watch for instance, the amount of scrutiny it gets because it's not been made by Steve Jobs, that's the kind of scrutiny that Robin Hood was getting at the time because it'd been made about Walt Disney. Anyway, it came out, and yeah, people loved it. The same way people love Apple products, but there's always people that criticise it, and over the years, people have come to criticise it more and more. Now, the main reason for this criticism is that a lot of the animation in the film is actually recycled, meaning that often the exact same scene from a previous film is traced over with new characters and put in the new film. And this is evident an awful lot throughout Robin Hood. Uh, For example, there's a scene with Maid Marian where she's dancing around, which is exactly the same, frame for frame, with a scene in Snow White where she's dancing with uh, the Seven Dwarfs. I'm sure you can imagine that scene in your head now. Similarly, there's a scene where Little John is dancing, which... Yeah, you've guessed it, which is taken straight from a scene in the Jungle Book. But the thing is, I dug a little bit deeper, and it turns out that Robin Hood isn't the only film that this method's actually been used in. Many of the classics that people love and don't have the same ill feelings towards, such as Aristocats, Winnie the Pooh, 101 Dalmatians, and even films as late as Beauty and the Beast, have reused certain parts of animation from previous films. Now, yeah, I'm thinking the same as you. Why on earth do they do this? Well, my immediate assumption was that they did it to save on cost. After Robin Hood had a very small budget of $1.5 million. So, you know, all the evidence seems to add up, doesn't it? No. Stop. Don't think that. That's not why. It's not the reason at all. It's what everyone assumes, but it's not the reason. Now, there are several reasons all sort of to the individual films, specifically the Beauty and the Beast one, which is where they simply ran out of time towards the end. But the main one is something really dead simple and exactly the opposite of uh, it being sort of more cost-effective. And there's a website called Geek Dad, don't know if you've heard of it, but they did some research recently, uh, and he spoke to one of his friends called Floyd Norman, you may have heard of him, who worked on some of the films that had a lot of sort of reused animation. Basically, most of the films that reused animation were directed by the same guy. Now, before you jump down my throat, I'm sure I'm saying this guy's name wrong. I'm going to try anyway. Wolfgang Rhythm. Ritterman? Ritterman? Ritherman? Ritherman? Wolfgang Ritherman? I'm going to go. Ritherman sounds good. Yeah, I'll go with Ritherman. Basically, Wolfgang Ritherman. Uh, he basically wanted to play it safe as a director and he used scenes that he knew worked in previous films to make to make his his films um, so basically this is not Disney being cheapskates because in reality it's a lot faster for an animator 
to draw up a new scene, and actually animators much, much prefer doing that because they get to be a lot more creative. Basically, this is just a method of animation, and it has created, helped create some of the films that we, you know, that we all love and adore. 101 Dalmatians, etc. Films like that. A full list will be in the show notes with video footage for you to have a look at. Now, I just wanted to round off the topic by going back to Robin Hood. I said previously something felt a bit off about it. And you know what? I think that you can definitely feel that the animators didn't enjoy working on Robin Hood as much as some of the other films they had to. Now don't get me wrong, I do enjoy the film, but, and this may be controversial, I think Robin Hood lacks some soul. It's something, you know, you just can't quite put your finger on it. Maybe, maybe I'm imagining things, I don't know. But I challenge you this, try watching Robin Hood again, now you know the story. Does it really feel like it's got the same amount of Disney magic as, say, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, or Snow White? I'm not so sure it does. So, did that comment I just make annoy you? Do you agree? Well, let me know. I'd really love to hear from you, and uh, I'll read you out uh, at the beginning of the next show. Because um, I don't know, I think uh, this might uh, be a bit of a divisive opinion. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm imagining things. We'll just have to see, won't we? Uh, so yeah, thank you very much uh, for listening uh, to this uh, this week's Hyperion Gazette podcast. Um, if, uh, as I say, if you have any feedback, you can uh, shoot us an email, hyperiongazette at gmail.com, or, or you can uh, send us a message on Twitter, and the uh, Twitter is at Hyperion Gazette. Also, it'd be uh, really, really grateful if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Um, five star, if you could. That'd be really nice. But if not... Uh, if you have any criticism, then, you know, by all means, leave it. But let me know. Do let me know what you, how you think I could improve, because I think I'm beginning to find my voice, but I'm still very new to this. So, uh, yeah. Um, I think that is everything. Uh, I guess all that's left now is to say uh, bye-bye. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.